Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. is that like you're not allowed to snack all day <laughs> i know it's hard right yeah like i'm used to like snacking a... until it's time for the next meal yeah i had a half an avocado like 45 minutes ago as a snack what yeah just like plain no with uh balsamic vinaigrette Ooh, that does sound like you scoop out the you just have the half and you mm-hmm. put the balsamic in the little you know pit yeah. hole in the whole pit yeah Ooh. hey would you take out the when you're off hole thirty? Would you ever take the pit out and then fill that little pit hole with vanilla ice cream so that you, then you can have like avocado vanilla ice cream and balsamic over the top of that with a little no. sprinkle of salt? No, but I would sweet, put a sweet. fucking egg in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, duh. Why would I put vanilla ice cream in there? I'd feel like if somebody made a vanilla ice cream with chunks of avocado. Vile. No. No, thank you. Really? Mm. All right. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. What's up, Mary Jane? <laughs> How's it going, Mike? <laughs> I, uh, well, my ideas are bad, but I'm having a good day. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah. What else? What about like a little spaghetti? I'm, well, I'm Inside noodling of an avocado right. hole. Oh, I'm, you are noodling. I'm noodling right now. Talk about Changed it. my life, I tell ya. Tell me about it. I went and got a noodler. And I'm noodling, noodling it up, man. I'm like, Look, not a catfish noodler, but no. like a. <laughs> oh, have you ever seen those videos where people like noodle for catfish by putting, putting their arm in the water? Too scary. And it's ama- My dad used to tickle trout. And I'd seen that where you can actually like put your hand under, if you kind of catch them unawares, you can sort of do this really cool thing where you can get a trout in the palm of your hand in water. Very difficult to do because trout scare easily. But the fucking catfish noodling. I don't want to put my hand in any holes. My whole fist. I've never fisted anyone and I'm not about to start with catfish. (laughs) Heard. I'm sure all the catfish out there appreciate that. (laughs) They're like, thank God. (laughs) Woo. We're off the hook. Oh. oh, catfish jokes. How, wow, whole 30 has got you with a clear mind. You know, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I'm so sober. I'm so, I haven't been this, like, completely, you know, it's just fruits and veg and some protein in there. There's no, nothing else. No, I haven't smoked weed. I haven't had a glass of wine, nothing. So it's kind of interesting. What day is this? Uh, Six or seven, I guess. I'm a week, a full week of whole 30. One week. Yeah. And? and- Oh, please. Oh, well, I was going to say, and I'm noodling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just I just want to, like, kind of talk about it because it's my passion right now. I, I really wanted to, you know those noodle, vegetable noodles that you can buy in, like, clamshell packs if you go to a, you know, grocery store that has, like, the fancy kind of, like... I always see it for something orange that I'm going to assume is a sweet potato, but I'm not sure if it mm-hmm. is or not. Or butternut squash. Yeah, that's probably what it is. At Whole Foods. And they charge and zook. so much money for it it's just like five dollars for a clamshell of some veg- vegetable noodles and it's ridiculous and I really wanted to be eating the veg noodles and make them myself so I went and bought a noodler and I realized number one they are making a killing with those noodles in the clamshells because they're that's like one zucchini and they're charging five bucks for it in the clam like don't buy pre-made vegetable noodles it's like buying the broken down pineapple you know when you go and you buy pineapple chunks instead of just buying yeah a whole pineapple that's already in a perfect package 
Oh, like you mean that because the outside is a package for the delicious inside? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like don't buy butternut squash in chunks in plastic. Just buy a squash if you can. I mean... How much was your noodler? Uh, it was expensive. So it was thirty nine ninety nine, but I had a coupon uh, for Sur La Table. And so I guess it was like, I paid like 30 bucks for it. And how much is a zucchini? Uh, I don't know. I buy them in like packs of a few. So like, I don't know, like a buck. Two, one buck, two bucks? Yeah. Fuck that, man. Or you could buy one zucchini in a pack that then you destroy the earth with for five. I just It pays for itself in Whole30 or it just pays for itself if you love to noodle. Yeah, I'm so excited because it's like so um, kind of mesmerizing and meditative to cut your zucchini into a perfect length and then stick it on there and then spin it and it comes out in these long it's like when you were a kid did you ever have Mr. Potato Head or any of those games that you would play with Play-Doh where you would like squeeze the Play-Doh through the holes oh, it was like a make-believe yeah. meat grinder or anything when you were little <laughs> you know? I love that the idea that playing with those Play-Doh <laughs> things was getting you geared up for a bur- like for the job as a butcher yeah <laughs> training you for that you know grown up career uh-huh. but I love that shit and so um, I always like love the toys where you could like squeeze things through holes Fuck to make yeah. long skinny string or a silly string any of that kind of stuff so it's kind of like the you know healthy adult version of that i guess anyway that's what i've been up to would you noodles. take a will you take a video of it sure send me a nude yeah <laughs> i'll send you some nudes send me some nudes <laughs> yes please i will cool okay <laughs> How's your life going with all of your oh, clean man. eating and vegan clear poops? And I'm vegan, yeah, but I'm not. Well, but I, when I am, I'm happier. Yeah, simple as that. Okay, you know, I'm not gonna. I went to the Kings game with my buddy Paul Walter Hauser. Again, if you haven't seen Richard Jewell, see it. He's phenomenal. And we had chicken tenders. Shout out to the chicken tender boys. But the chicken tenders I had were trash. Ludo, you need to step up your game. They were very bad. Um, I know you have a Michelin star, but your chicken tenders were dry. They were all bread, and the bread fell off the chicken. It was just a sorry sight. What so, sauce? Uh, ranch from a jug. Oh, okay. Know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yeah, just a big barrel of... Like somewhere out there. And I think about that. There's like ranch vats out there yeah isn't that crazy yeah just like there's some man or one well probably a man probably a white man probably 80 who has like <laughs> ranch vats in the middle of some <laughs> place where they don't do federal tax and he's just like making billions upon billions with his like ranch vats there's a yeah ranch hoarders <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. a new reality tv series <laughs> where is it all where? where is it coming from yeah i fucking hated ranch until i met you because i had only ever had ranch out of like you know vats i assume and then you showed me my the error of my ways and i had some fresh ranch which was delicious and now i've got this like whole coconut milk ranch recipe that i'm making how's that which is I'm okay su- i'm suspicious of coconut milk as an alternative to everything it doesn't always work Right? Yeah. I don't, like... Mm, it's like, a pretty intense flavor. We already tried it as water, and nobody was having it. And mm-hmm. now we're, like, whoever is in the coconut PR squad is w- putting in the work Wait, to, to you, try and get it to catch on. What do you mean nobody's having it? Everyone fucking loves coconut water. Really? I hate it. It tastes like the stuff that slides from my nose down my throat when I'm sick. Can I be honest? Yeah. It tastes a little like cum. Does it? Depending on the coconut water that you get, it can. Name names. Who's um, cum? There's a... <laughs> going to say brands of coconut water. Oh, uh, no, I want to know who's come. <laughs> My lips are sealed. <laughs> remember the first time I had like, every once in a while I'll have something like, I remember a mushroom pasta that I had at the Select Bistro in Toronto in like 1997 or something. I'll still never forget it. And I was like, this oddly tastes 
familiar. And then I realized what it was. And I had the same thing happen with coconut water where someone handed it to me and I was like, this, hmm, (laughs) nope, not going to drink it. Oh, you didn't buy it. I mean, listen, I don't want to get into my predilection for, you know, drinking cum or anything because that's a weird thing to say. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't want to drink coconut. I don't want to drink anything that. Tastes hmm. like cum? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So reasonable. But I will drink cum. (laughs) (laughs) Is cum whole 30? Um, Yeah, I think so. It's an animal protein. Oh, is it? Is come vegan? I feel like that's no, so hack to ask. Not. No, no, of course like, it's not. Like I bet, I bet everybody on the planet's googled that, but I've never even thought about it until just now. It is, but it's because it's from an animal. It's, yes, it's it's not vegan. Correct. Okay. <laughs> it is Thank not God I didn't have to plant based. <laughs> oh, like is sap tree cum? Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Or tree blood. Or tree blood. Yeah. 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 Okay, because you're using those coconut aminos right now. Yes. Um, and they, I think they're delicious, but in the back of my head, I was like, is this plant cum? Yeah. Because it's tasty as fuck. It is tasty as fuck. Yeah, I'll swallow that. It's delicious. Yeah, coconut aminos are tree sap, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I'm all about it. Well, we are off to a... I mean, I just said I drink cum, so... <laughs> <laughs> Might edit that out. I don't know. Trying to make jokes when sober. I just... It's fantastic. It's a little weird. I'm feeling very vulnerable. I feel really like... Um, out there right now like you know there's nothing better than that like well it's hard man it's yeah. hard when you're used to when you're used to having a little blanket that you can wrap around yourself sometimes and you don't have that it's definitely well I when feel- drugs and sugar because of, specifically in america when drugs and sugar is pressed upon you as the security blanket that it is it just like numbs you the fuck out so that you can move the fuck on mm-hmm. boy oh boy like I know I'm I can't do it this month for whole thirty, but if I don't do something like what you're doing in my future, I think it's a huge fucking mistake for my own well being. Yeah, it's it's well, it's definitely good for me to take a break to reassess and recalibrate from zero for me and just really learn like everything. Like I I definitely don't think that weed is a problem for me at all. Like I I'm I'm a low doser and a, and I I feel like I also just like have a good handle on like how how and when I use it um but it's really good for me to feel how I am without it for an extended period of time yeah yeah which kind congrats thanks day six or seven I'm I'm here for you anything you need (laughs) a century for real anything you fucking need thank you if you need me to whip up like a week's worth of meal prep for you because you're just like crushed with deadlines let me hit you with some meal prep you just reminded me I have Brussels sprouts in the oven oh (laughs) for real smell them burning hang on a second yeah I can vamp (laughs) Archie no that's helping help me vamp thank you buddy come on yeah They smell good. I saved them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's great. Brussels sprouts are looking tasty and charred perfectly. Well, a little oven, a little oil, a little salt, a little pep. Yep. Sexiest. That's it. Fuck. I know. Yeah. It's good. Nice. I do like the process of, you know what? The one thing I did last year that I've continued into this year, even though I'm like leaning hard into vegan food, thanks to you getting me the Thug Kitchen cookbook, and my mm-hmm. goal is to cook every single recipe in it. Um, man, it's that two hours late at night when I finally get home and I can unwind and I hate eating before bed, but I love the process of being completely alone, chopping some veg, drinking some wine, smoking a joint, listening to some podcast or music and just like not feeling rushed with the technique 
mm-hmm. and instead just taking my fucking time and filling two hours with something where the end goal is it's going to nourish me. I, it like, it gets me horny a bit. You know what I mean? That kind of like soul nourishing, um, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for even? I can't even describe it. Yeah. You're going into your, your moment of Zen, your, your peaceful place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I had that last night. I noodled a bunch of zucchini and then I took like at least a couple of hours to make a romesco sauce and I pan fried some shrimp and I put it all together while I was also making some almond milk and hung out in the kitchen and listened to like five episodes of podcasts and just it was great. Whole 30 is about discipline. Yeah well yeah it's about taking a lot of time for yourself so I definitely don't know how anyone who has a family does it like I think it would be really hard if you were feeding more or than Or if yourself. you can't afford fucking fresh produce yep and meat and poultry every day of the week it's privileged as hell for sure like i'm able to walk to a bunch of different grocery stores in the neighborhood and buy you know all sorts of like fresh veg and organic everything and i feel fucking lucky to be able to do that and also yeah i'm very aware that i am fucking lucky to be able to do that it's definitely yeah if you don't have access to all of that, you can still do it with canned vegetables and like you can choose less expensive proteins and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm lucky for sure. How much money do you think you're saving on wine? I, I don't need a real number, oh. but I, I just like was thinking the other night because I'll buy like I'll buy like a rack of wine, you uh-huh. know, and I don't really get drunk, but I love like a, a like a two glass situation. And then I'm starting to like add it up in my head and I'm like, yo, yeah, wow. What yeah. does that look like every year? The same way people buy Starbucks and do that every morning. Yep. Like, what is the what's the fucking economy of that? I don't know. I'll definitely be interested to look at my bills at the end of the month and see because I haven't bought a coffee or a meal or a glass of wine or weed or anything um, or cigarettes in a week and at the end of the month it'll be really cool to tally that up and just yeah look at my yeah. bank account and see where where I really saved and put that towards something like the fucking dream table that I have on my list of things that I want to buy so I can cook more hell yes <laughs> yeah. oh what a reward a fresh sleek table at the end of 30 days that's yeah. a fucking juicy reward oh it'd be nice right hell yeah yeah meanwhile I'm spending a thousand dollars on Teslas because I just found out that's the new Molly uh, and you know, I want those in my body. Okay, so we, that's not true. <laughs> that's, <laughs> but that is the craziest thing that we you mentioned it because yeah. you'd heard about it uh, on the from mini. Greer, who's coming to be on the pod very soon. Can't I think wait. she does not mind me talking about how she was at Blue Man Group on acid and left me a very funny mo- voicemail. <laughs> she's a real fucking friend, and she's an oyster shucker. And okay, she'll be on the pod. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. But she had mentioned to you that there's this new version of Molly called Tesla, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned mentioned it on the mini that we dropped on Monday mm-hmm. and then someone DM'd us a picture in the palm of their hand a bunch of fucking Tesla four beautiful Teslas wow vroom vroom but I mean everything is so connected through everything for all the good reasons and yeah. all the bad and what I really love too is like we asked on um, the mini sode if people had suggestions or questions for us but you know what what everyone wants to see we've got some really cool messages and ideas for segments and all that kind of stuff so I'm like really excited to start working on some of them well listen up everybody if you want to hit us with even more suggestions for what you want to see on the pod questions for us um, that we can answer I probably won't look anything up but Mary Jane definitely will <laughs> and uh, it's weedandgrub at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at weed and grub on Instagram yeah um, everything pretty much stays anonymous unless it's something celebratory so yes. you know we will not mention you by name 
probably more times than not but if you still want to be like double safe about it just you know make sure that you say hey this needs to be anonymous because you know it's all about respect yeah the world is hard so let's love each other yeah right yeah we're gonna be cool we're not gonna narc anyone out speaking of can we get to our uh our news for this week yeah all right for sure because you can't narc on weed in illinois anymore shout out to chicago where i moved to from where I moved from for LA. Man, I spent so many years in Chicago where weed was illegal and we're just smoking in alleyways. And now, rec, starting in January, thank you so much, Illinois, for becoming a legal state. I love you so much. But we've got to do a little news with it where it goes good, bad, good. Okay. Okay. All right. So the good is that Illinois is popping off and there's thousands, tens of thousands of people buying weed and here's a couple stats that are specifically Chicago. Okay. So oh, no, no, this is the state. Illinois is the 11th state to legalize recreational marijuana, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Exactly. Lucky number 11. Mm-hmm. Ooh, one of the master numbers if you're into numerology. By the way, Michael J. Glazer, 33133 in numerology. So if you're looking to have a master number name in your life, get at me. And your hockey number. Oh, yeah. It was my hockey number, too. And that wasn't... You didn't, like, pick that or plan that, right? Fucking the number 33 follows me around. And you're 33 right now? Yes. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's mglaze33 at Gmail. Hockey number 33. 33 It's fucking... Whatever. I believe in that stuff because it's fun and harmless. Yeah. Um, What's your number? Uh, I don't know. I I would like to know. 69. Okay. And what's happening in Illinois? So... (laughs) 55 dispensaries in the state sold more than 3 million THC products on one day, and that matches Oregon's record-setting opening for rec sales in 2015. Holy shit. Huge. And then by Sunday, nearly $11 million worth of rec marijuana was sold. So all in all, there was like just like record-breaking numbers of cannabis sales throughout the state. But here's the bad. The bad of it is that the growers once once Illinois announced they were going to go wreck the growers had like 6 months to like up their supply to mm-hmm. hopefully meet the demand and all these dispensaries were sold out in like 3 to 5 to 7 fucking days mm-hmm. with no ability to get new deliveries in and also there there wasn't the supply to get those new deliveries in the first place right cuz 6 months is not enough for everyone to become compliant and then get like a whole new fucking Totally. Level of harvest. Unless we immediately, like, unless Monsanto sweeps in and just is like, yo, how about some fucking GMO? Yeah. CBD, and THC. They're, they're fucking trying. They are fucking trying. All over the fucking place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, here's yeah. the double bad. Because Chicago, or I say Chicago because that's all I think Illinois has, but yeah. I mean Illinois. Um, so they can't meet it. But there's a place like Oregon who had so much time. And then they hit their marks, but they actually grew more than sales because sales peaked and then leveled out. Mm-hmm. But because it's not federally legal, Oregon has this fucking surplus of crop and they can't help Illinois with their like demand. Right. And, and so it's just like sitting there fucking wasting. Yep. How fucked is that? It's fucked. That's a huge fucking problem. And Brad Bogus, actually, when we had him on the pod, had a really... Um, great hope that, you know, at some point the commerce will be able to be that, you know, states like Oregon will be able to supply eastern states that don't have the ability to grow as much beautiful weed, just like the wine industry. You know, you want a beautiful biodynamic Pinot Noir, you're not going to grow it in Arkansas. That's what's up. So, yeah, yeah, let's keep pushing for state by state legalization and ultimately get it federally 
descheduled and decriminalized too. I think federal legalization is also something that we got to think hard about. Let's push it. Well, that goes from like that was the good and then the bad, but mm-hmm. here's the good again. Okay. Which is you have the information about um, how uh, people in jail are being affected by the rec legalization in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. So I was checking out IllinoisPolicy.org, and there's a great. Uh, feature that just is everything you need to know about marijuana legalization in Illinois. And the note on what happens to criminal records related to cannabis is that people convicted for possession of under 30 grams with a nonviolent offense will be um, referred to the governor for a pardon. And anyone who was convicted for possession between 30 and 500 grams can petition for expungement themselves. So very cool that uh, that's happening. And on December 31st, Governor Pritzker actually already pardoned more than 11,000 people who were convicted of low-level marijuana offenses in Illinois. So they, it seems like they're doing it the right way. And I'd love to hear from anyone who's in Illinois on the ground there to you know talk about like what how the rollout is happening and how it's affecting everyone. Yeah. I did get one message from my buddy Chaz, who um, he's great. And anytime he's in LA, he's like, um, he's like, I'm loading up. And he sends me a picture of all the things he's buying. And then he just went to the dispensary in Chicago above Piper's Alley at Second City where we all used to work. And they were sold out of everything. I think he got like one edible, a tincture, and an apology. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Um, fantastic on the criminal tip. Yeah. And congrats. they're not criminals. No. Fuck no. They're fucking freedom fighters. So congrats to Illinois for becoming the 11th state to uh, legalize recreational cannabis. And I can't wait to go to Chicago. I've never hung out in Chicago. I've only ever driven past. And now the weed and grub is like calling my name, our names. We're going to do it. Will you take me and like show me show me everything? I would love to do it for like a week. I would love to have a week with you so I can show you everything. We can perform some shows. Um, We can go to the nooks and crannies that aren't always open. And we can see some really great theater at Steppenwolf. And oh man, I'm getting like, my jaw is salivating from it. I'm salivating at the thought of seeing that fucking theater too. Yeah. That whole scene. It's the best theater in the world. I mean. Tracy Letts, dream guest. Yo. Shout it out here. Carrie Coons, dream guest. Chicago actors, Chicago royalty. Let's get it. Dreams. Okay. Dreams, goals. Goals. 2020. Put Vision it in boards. the air. Bop, yeah. <laughs> bop, boop, bop. I smell my Brussels sprouts and I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> Weird pause between feeling and good where you weren't sure, but you still. I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Can I shout out another news story? Yeah. So we interviewed uh, NBA star Al Harrington right before the holidays uh, about his brand Viola cannabis and we got news today that viola just unveiled their new cmo who is the first african-american woman who's going to be the cmo of a multi-state um cannabis operation and um her name is erica Pittman, and she is coming on board to run the whole show she used to work for um sean combs Oh, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy. Uh-huh. And she's just doing a bunch of cool stuff uh, with the company. And I'm really excited to see where she takes it next because they just opened up a flagship store in Detroit and they're moving into a whole bunch of states. And I know um, Viola and Al Harrington have big, big plans to be major players in the cannabis space. Big plans coming from the right place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Giving back to the community that needs it most. Fuck yes. Hell yes. Huge news story. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm feeling good today. Me too. What else is poppin'? Poppin'. Archie has an audition tomorrow. You have a dog audition in LA. (laughs) That's very exciting. (laughs) What if your dog becomes the 
income source of the Gibson household. I mean, if Archie could actually get a job, that would be something. Yes, I would. I would be so mad that he got famous before me. But I've thought about having a kid just so I can like get some commercial residuals. I know famous babies. You do? Yeah, my friend Sarah's baby is famous. He's on the Huggies uh, package. Would he sign one for me? Yeah, probably. He'd, oh. he'd like poop in a diaper for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I put that on eBay. Yeah. Upwards of $10. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If Archie becomes like the, so, like not sole breadwinner, but if like he brings in like the lion's share of, uh, yeah. of income for the Gibson fam. He would be, I mean, listen, I'm looking at you over there, Archie Moon, who's like in his fucking anyway he <laughs> As he licks where his balls used to be hey so anyway uh this is uh our dog he's a millionaire and he's just like <laughs> licking these ghost balls well, i was trying to clean him up for the audition so i trimmed his pea dread and his eyebrows and that's about as good as it got he's just a like a messy little guy but uh he's been in he was in high times when i worked at high times he was actually in high times a couple of times uh, in photo shoots and also there's a drawing that I have where he was like on the back page which was called the Pop 40 he was like in cartoon form he was in Forbes he uh, his resume is better than yours he's yeah he's like <laughs> greeted famous people so yeah he's, he's he, next step is to get a job yeah. so book that audition Archie and um, how old is he now six and a half he's six he's six. Oh no he's six and a half you're right oh wait is there ageism for dog Hollywood do we need to say he's like one mm. No, I think he's gonna. He's like he's good at, he, as a mature dog. Yeah, yeah, he has that dad quality of he a dog. He does. Yeah. Okay, so like, okay, cool. Yeah. So he is six. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to dye his hair for it? No, because he has those gray streaks. Yeah, no, he and I are simpatico, man. Fuck yes, we're both real. Keeping it. Yep. Nice. Keeping it real. We're both silver silver foxes. I have uh, Alexandra Grant as my sort of like person that I I look to. Who's um, that's Keanu's. You know, uh, there. That's who's dating, right? Keanu and Alexandra. Is that yeah, who that's that is? Wh- that's when she really popped into pol- popular consciousness recently. Was when she was photographed with Keanu, who's, um, yeah, her partner now. But she's naturally silver, and I just fucking love how she's rocking it and talking about it and kind of not talking about it and just kind of being being as she is, beautiful and naturally silver. And I don't know. I think it's fucking great. So Archie's rocking his silver um, unapologetically too. Damn right. Yep. Okay, well, do you want to get to some cool letters we got and then get yeah. to our amazing guest? Yeah, we have a fucking amazing guest. And uh, yeah, just a couple couple of buds of the week first to share. Can I go first? Please. So my bud of the week, I wanted to read this amazing letter that we got from Jermaine. Jermaine wrote in to say, Happy New Year, and says, I wanted to email to say Happy New Year. I hope 2020 delivers more of your dreams. I'm a longtime listener, and you both always make me laugh so much, even though being a UK resident, I don't always understand what you're talking about. <laughs> How much food do you have in the States? How much food? <laughs> All of it. It's insane. Keep up the brilliant work, and thank you so much for being such a light. I've attached a link to a recipe. You've probably had something like this before, but everyone who has tried this has to have the recipe. And it's a recipe for a cheesy aubergine lentil moussaka that we'll put um, maybe in our stories on Instagram. It looks 
crazy delicious with like tomatoes. It's got cinnamon and oregano and like super, super cheesy. Um, Jermaine finishes up by saying, if you're ever in the UK and want to tour around the Royal Counties area, then I have a spare room, which is also partially a playroom for my son, but it has a double bed in it. <laughs> I'd love to kick his son out of that room for a little bit. Yeah. That's so nice. Um, thank you for writing in, Jermaine. That's so great. And actually, I have family in Henley-on-Thames, which is in the Royal Counties. So maybe we'll come through and visit my Aunt Ruth in Henley and then do a little pod tour, roam around, drink some Pim's Cups. Yes. Go to a pub or two, have some pot pies. Yes. Give it all to me. Figure I, out what the weed scene is in the UK, which I have no concept of. I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I would love to find out. Yeah. That's a really nice letter. Yeah. Um, do we have a question to answer from that about how, how much food we have here? How much food do you have in the States? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that... We have too many apples. <laughs> we have so many types of apples here. It's a lot of apples. Right? Yeah. Okay. So okay. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> cool. We have so much food that like people can't like you can choose what type of apple you want yeah it's all it's too much there's an abundance Ugh. yeah i hate it okay. also did you see that tweet i'll get to my butt of the week in a second but did you see that tweet i did that i wrote and deleted about how i think we can get rid of lemons because the lime is the more fun version of the citrus did you say you wrote and deleted it i hate twitter um so i just <laughs> delete everything but like um but don't you think that we can get rid of lemons just no. as a whole? What are you talking about? Because like the lime is more fun and does the same service. Oh my God. Are you insane? I don't want to charred lime in my beans, my creamy beans. Oh, you're talking that... about Carla Lolly Music's Bon Appetit video? Hell yes, I am. She charred up that lemon and threw it in her creamy beans and then like made magic. Not Char- going to do that with a lime. Damn it. You're right. That's the only problem is like charred lime with creamy beans doesn't have the same I mean, uh, role to it. It might be interesting, but you know, I don't, I want lemon meringue pie. I want like a beautiful- Lime meringue would be fine. You wouldn't even know. No, key lime is very different. I'm not saying, yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that you lemon- You can't cancel one citrus. I think we need to, <laughs> through eugenics- you're trying to rid of, streamline? I'm trying to streamline citrus. Why? Because I just look at, I'm looking for shelf space for other th- fun things. Why not celebrate all the different citruses and say you like you know what's up kumquats we love you and over here p- p- pomelo cuz I'm a citrus exclusive I'm ex- what's the word? An, I, an exclusionist? I'm an ex- citrus exclusionist. <laughs> wow. I'm so sorry. Oh my. I feel gross saying that. Now I don't like my idea anymore. <laughs> You're trying to cancel lemons in favor of limes. What about everyone else? What about satsumas? Oh, that's such a good orange. Yeah. How about a tangelo? How about a fucking So you're saying if it Meyer starts with lemon. lemons, where does it stop? Yep. Well said. You said it. I wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good idea until we dug into the implications. You can't cancel any citrus. They all have their place. Have you ever had a kumquat? Yeah, the, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's real fun because it's scary at first. Because yeah. it's like, wait, all of it? You bite all of it? Yeah, all of it. You take all of it into your mouth. <laughs> How are we starting and ending this introduction on cum? <laughs> uh, it's, it's an orb in the air. Um, here's my butt of the week. Okay. I don't want to say their name because I don't know if I have permission, but if they listen to this and they write to us and say, oh my God, yes, you do, then I'll just post some of the exchange and shout them out again. Okay. But we got a great DM from somebody on New Year's Eve 
who was like, oh my God, I am tripping balls right now. And I love you and Mary Jane so much. Happy New Year. And it just so happened that we also microdosed some mushrooms in Molly that night. So it was like, ah, what up, yo? Like, we're all in this together. And it was a really beautiful way to have New Year's, especially with someone who slid into the DMs to say, like, love you all. And then they wrote an entire response to what would you like to see from us this year? And then dug a little deeper into their tripping experience. And they said that they looked at my beard and saw the whole Aztec empire in a picture of me and my beard. And they were just laying on a couch and like the visuals streaming through my face hair kind of like developed an entire story for them. And I was like, that's beautiful. And I'm so honored to be a part of someone's trip in such a positive way. And also I feel like we're friends now based on that shared experience. And so I just want to shout them out um, as my butt of the week and say, thank you for being so open and wanting to like, hit us up with that kind of thing. And can I say, I totally relate to that experience of seeing the Aztec empire in your beard because looking at your beard, I can see like how complex it is structurally. And when you are on this sort of perfect amount of psychedelics at the right moment and you look at something that's complex in that way, it can turn into an entire universe in such a gorgeous way. It's like very... It's cool. Yeah, it's worlds. There are worlds in there. Very cool. <laughs> that's what's up. I want to eat some mushrooms and look at your beard. Hey, I, I'm going to start charging. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have a Patreon page. Yeah. And it's just going to be close-up beard pics on lock. And I'll have different angles, sizes, structures, and tints cool. for all of your tripping needs. I like it. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a viable idea. Yeah? Yeah. Patreon? No. Pa- pa- Patreon. Patreon? Mm. Oh, that's not, that's yeah, better. Maybe. Better than trim. Yeah. Sober spitballing sucks, though. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get to Ramon, goddammit. Damn it. <laughs> Those are the things you can't cut out, but you want to cut out because you're like, oh, yeah. this isn't the brain at the level I want. Yep. Ramon Rivas. Yes. Homie from Cleveland, an amazing stand-up comic, a man who has hustled his whole life to create his own career from the fucking ground up, and he's thriving at it. Smokes hella weed, has deep thoughts and you've seen him on hbo comedy central follow him at blazer ramon on all social media he's been on getting dug with high like he's a cool dude he's a smart dude and it was a really good conversation yeah it was a really neat conversation that we had like over tea in the morning oh that's right yeah it was lovely but like but with honey pot mm-hmm. honey and some sugies busted out some sugies in mm-hmm. there yeah it was great nice yeah. well without further ado here is our conversation with ramon Magical butter. Magical butter. How much fun is that? Magical butter is the best machine for making all of your edibles at home. Let me ask you three questions. Okay. Can I make infused chocolates? Yes. Gummies? Yes. Tinctures? Yes. Oils? Yes. Butter? That was five. (laughs) (laughs) And yes. And you can buy magical ghee from magicalbutter.com and that's Whole30 approved and compliant so you can infuse your own ghee and then still be on your Whole30 diet. Ooh, that sounds... I'm actually thinking about doing Whole30 again. Well, you should get your Magical Butter machine and get that ghee going. Get that ghee going. Get that ghee going. (laughs) Magicalbutter.com. Use promo code WEEDANGRUB at checkout for 20% off. And check out their Instagram because it is the sexiest food pics I've ever seen. So go to at Magical Butter and peep it, follow it, like it, fave it, comment. (laughs) Lick it, like it, love it. They're good vibes all day. Good people doing good things. Magicalbutter.com. Use the promo code WEEDANGRUB at checkout. Give them a follow and... And make your own edibles at home, man. Why you know not? What goes into them and it'll feel so good. Yeah. That should be their tagline. Yeah. Magical butter. You know what goes into it and then you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Magicalbutter.com. Promo code weed and grub at checkout will get you 20% off. Can we just start with what just happened? 
and roll into it from there. Because mm-hmm. you just set up, like, last night we did a show. Mm-hmm. I didn't get high because I wasn't a part of the high part of the show. Mm-hmm. You got 400 milligram high. I think he said it was six. Six? Whoa. 600 milligram high. And then you came over here to record this morning. Mary Jane made a little tea situation with mm-hmm. sugies and honey pot. And now you're rolling with a 15 milligram start to the day. Yeah, ma'am. Cool. <laughs> Chill. I like to ease into any day I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to live that way right now in in these times. Mm-hmm. In, I feel like quotes. in all times. Yeah. In all, <laughs> yeah. Medieval times. Mm-hmm. You believe in past lives? Uh, I don't want to buy into the whole thing, but I definitely have had some flashes of stuff and... I was told by an energy worker some stuff one time, so I don't know. Do you? What were you told? That you used to that be I like drowned. a queen? Or, oh, no, Jesus. that I had drowned and mm. that I had a lot of water around me. Interesting. Yeah. But you're a water person. You love the water. I do love the water, and I worked on boats for a while, so I'm not afraid of the water at all. And like Alaska fisherman boat? Yeah. That's dope. I worked on a salmon boat. That's cool. Yeah, it was It was a good time. I believe in past lives. You do? For sure. Mm. Well, for To what... To and that, like, this soul is just in another fucking suitcase, just traveling around f- through infinity forever, mm-hmm. for sure. I just can't remember him, but I know that. It's like level up in video games. That's, like, I, I believe in video games as, like, how life really works. Mm. Ones and zeros, that's karma. Build up a bunch of ones, you know, things work out. Then you can take some zeros. Take a couple L's. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I I think that it, in a in a way, yes, because we carry a lot of what happened to our ancestors in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I've, there's a book I've been reading called uh, "It Didn't Start with You." It's about like inherited like genetic trauma, and like so a lot of it's just a very interesting book. But like the the series Watchmen is actually touching on it. It's so good. It's so good. But like they said, they set it up specifically with the squids. Because the in that uh, one group therapy meeting, the guy who's like, I wasn't born until ten years after the thing, but because my mom was so close, I have her pain. Mm-hmm. And so they're setting it up and getting people to kind of like empathize and understand it with these fake squids. But the racism in the show is real, and that's baked into most people of color is that fear, yeah, and that knowledge of like some shit. Like I'm reading a, a book, another book, an Indigenous People's History of the United States. And it's just as like one of my friends couldn't watch the first episode of Watchmen because she's like, this scene makes my blood hurt. Damn. And as I'm reading the Indigenous People's History book, it's like, oh, this is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Wait, what's your history? Uh, I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican, but which are both like forms of Indigenous peoples from those areas mm-hmm. since, you know, before settlers came here. Which side wait, were you born? I was born on an Air Force base in Clovis, New Mexico. What? So my yeah, my dad was in the joined the military after they had my sister, uh, which they had my sister like right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, got married, joined the military, and then I was born on an Air Force base. Do you remember just running around an Air Force base? No, like my my first memories are back in Lorain, Ohio, uh-huh. uh, which the, Tony Morrison is from Lorain, Ohio. She's like a Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, award-winning uh, Nobel Peace Prize laureate, um, but yeah, she's she's from Lorraine, and that's kind of it. Dang, I wonder since I'm like 
super Jewish on both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. Like if there's like residual Holocaust stuff, like just yeah. like inside me that I don't even know about. Yeah. And the, they're still studying it, how it affects like human generations. But like in lab mice, they would light like a specific scented candle and then shock the mice. And then they'd keep doing that. And then they wouldn't shock the their kids and then the grandkids. They just light the candle and they would all cower. Because they're it's baked into their DNA that this thing this is dangerous, and so we're kind of the same way, mm-hmm. where we'll pick up shit that fucking fascinating. Yeah, it's wow. very so it's cool. It's a it's one of those things that's cool to read into to kind of figure out, you know, not never solves the puzzle of you, but like to just get different viewpoints yeah. and to kind of analyze like you know ingredients of it. Yeah, but it makes me want to like. Uh, it's it's a little too deep for eleven thirty in the morning mm-hmm. sipping fifteen milligram tea. No, but for like, sure. But it does make me wonder if I would want to unravel those things, or if yeah. it's better to just understand them and keep passing them along, so that yeah. like hopefully we learn from them. Because you don't yeah. want to eviscerate them from your DNA, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you mean by the difference between unraveling or just passing them on. Like you. Well, like because if like if we fought like if in those mice. They were like, we got to get rid of this cowering because of candle smell situation. Mm-hmm. Then you would forget about your ancestors getting shocked and the smell. Mm. I see what you mean. So is it better just to understand it, but make sure that you still like it's carry still, the lesson. Carry the lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You don't necessarily you want to like understand it and, and heal from it, but also remember the I, lesson. I mean, that's what a lot of therapy is. Is like, do yeah. I want to explore it or do I just want to like excuse for my behavior? Damn. Oh, somebody has gone to therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> little bit, little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's huge. I think that like the biggest part of when I entered therapy was understanding that I was like trying to sort of, you know, like put something back together that had been broken mm-hmm. and that I couldn't put it back together to look anything like it had been. Yeah. It was now going to be a fragmented mirror that was going to reflect a different picture. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. But once I realized like, oh, I can actually just build something new from that. It was, yeah. yeah. There's a, I'm not going to remember what specific culture, but it's like an Asian culture. In America, when something breaks, you just throw it away. But over there, when something breaks, you fuse it back together with gold. I think it's Jap- and the, Japanese, isn't it's it? Some, yeah, I, I, yeah. And then so that becomes the breakage becomes a part of the history of what makes that piece a thing. Mm-hmm. And so like looking at like family dynamic things or that brokenness you just described in that, like what was the gold that held it together mm-hmm. as it was fragmenting? Because there is something to that. Like, I feel like a lot, like, really rich people, if they had to, like, if they had as much money as me, they would murder their families, which is, like, literal news stories a lot of times. Yeah. But it's something that you just don't think of. It's interesting, you know, what would break someone apart completely. Like, we've just, oh, that's that was just growing up. Yeah. You know, being aware of poverty or, or not even, because I don't think my family was poor. Like, both parents worked. So like maybe f- like fifty sixty thousand household, which yeah. I feel like is pretty standard in Midwest and yeah yeah yeah. Totally. Well, you were even talking about that on stage last night, mm-hmm. like your family and your upbringing and like your socioeconomic situation. Yeah, yeah. I try to talk like now. My actor's always been about like being broke, being single, being thirsty, smoking weed, and then like my family, and then I went and did the 
Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and they're, they're told you're told to like people don't just like stand up here, so I just frame the show as a one man show called Unbecoming because it's like the thesis is how my emotional poverty directly imp- my financial poverty directly impacts my emotional poverty. So I've made women feel shitty about themselves because I've used them, but I was just navigating dating as like a broke dude. Mm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Who's like, I live with my dad. I didn't have a car. I did comedy. So I was like, do you actually want to date me? Or like, so, so it was an analyzation of that and how I navigated it from my social position. And then when I went to Scotland, my social position changed because they processed me as white. So that was what this, my second set was that chunk. Yeah. About that experience. So it was an interesting What's it like being a white person who's not white in... It was... Well, it's interesting because it's kind of like, as a brown person, like, my experience is based on its adjacency to both whiteness and blackness, even though I'm I'm neither of them, but I'm shades of both. So, like, I can assimilate, which is a privilege, but also a burden. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe as a Jewish person, you have that to a degree as well, where you can be like, I can be white or I can be Jewish. And, like, now you have the whole Trump is making it a nationality. Yeah. So it's like, well, no, my nationality is American, but there's these. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also real self-conscious about it. Yeah. You know, like, I have a bit of a... uh, like a hang up about the whole thing too. And what is the hang up? Um, trying to hold on to something that I don't directly understand because I've mm. never like met my ancestors in Europe or like you didn't do the uh, didn't, birthright. I didn't do birthright because I didn't trust it. It sounded like uh. a trick to get me to enlist in the army, mm. and I was told I was very wrong about that. But I'm too stubborn to like learn. I, from what I understand, it's a trick to get you to uh, knock up a Jewish young Jewish gal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, they're trying to, like, just pay, like, make sure you only fuck other Jewish people Mm -hmm. is what they're trying to get you to do. I think so, because you go clubbing every night in Israel, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I never went for those reasons, Mm because I was like, a free trip? Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that. With other young, fun folks? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Who all look like your mom? Come on. I see where the Jewish worry comes from. (laughs) 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 I can't go have fun. No. What if I, what if I'm not working? What's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, there's like that self-consciousness to it where Mm. like, I'm pretty, uh, like being Jewish is like, I don't know. Sometimes it fucks with my head. Yeah. For sure. And so it's that I feel, and I feel like you don't get that if you're just a quote unquote white person Mm -hmm. and so much in America, whiteness is like just based on American is based on white. Like that's what the, the correlation is. And there's the, the whole question I get where like, where you're from. It's like, well, I'm from Ohio. It's like, no, but like your parents, like they're from Ohio too, (laughs) you know? And it's, it's a constant, like, that where you say that like it makes me feel unsure of where I am and where I come from, it's that. But like you can't bring it up because people are like, "What are you talking about?" It's like nothing, nothing, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you can't just pull out a map in a history yeah. lesson. But then, do they treat you differently mm. from other white people? It was interesting because like I was obviously still different, but they told me that the people who look like me are from like Italy or Spain which are both white European nations. Yeah. So I either processed as that or as like a Muslim or as uh, when people a- when people asked if where I was from, I told them America, they were just like, oh, that makes sense. Because the way I sound, the way I look, okay, cool. Yeah. And it wasn't questioned. The way it's questioned 
hear from other Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, that's wild though, because your name is Ramon. Yeah, but and like yeah, you but know? people and people were more. It was clearer who was racist over there, so you could kind of position yourself accordingly. And over here, it's very like, well, I'm not racist. It's like, oh, but your words, thoughts, and actions, though, are all pretty racist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did you encounter racism in Edinburgh? Um, Just like the looks. Like my one friend, uh, black female coming from Atlanta, she's like, I could tell people from America about how this sizes up and look at us before they come over and talk to us because everyone, you're handing out flyers mm-hmm. at the festival. And I was like, really? And then I noticed it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's a." And you don't notice it when you're here. But I feel like this it's similar to the male gaze probably where like sometimes you get looked at like, and like is that guy trying to decide if I'm a person or a thing? And you get uncomfortable. So you like cover your titties up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like that. But like racially covering your titties up. <laughs> and it's hard. To, and it's hard to that's hard to explain to someone who hasn't gone through it. But like I don't know. Yeah. It is. I, well, I mean, it's near impossible to explain to anyone. Who's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not even worth explaining, I guess, yeah. is what I really want to say. Because it's like, okay, this is going to take... It's exhausting. Yes. And so instead of instead of that, you just shrink yourself down. Like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, you just stop moving. Yeah. You just get immobilized And it's it. hard to... It's hard to let that be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But it's also like to get to where all of us are now, we've probably gone through that at, to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. And like... It's hard to not be small when being small oftentimes keeps you safe. Yeah. 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 The most racist thing I ever approached, like on the road, I was in some small town in the South, I don't know, Louisville area, something like Mm -hmm. that. And everyone was like, You got to go to this barbecue restaurant. You got to go to this barbecue. And I went in there and uh, it was like known for their ribs, known for their ribs. And so I go in and I was like, uh, I would love a half rack of your pork ribs, some cornbread. And I just ordered this whole thing. And the first word out of his mouth was, but you look Jewish. And I was like, oh, so I'm not allowed to like order pork ribs Yeah. that, that like. Are award winning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just, I didn't know how to handle it. I just started yeah. like, you know, just yeah. rambling. Yeah. They were good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still ate them. Still yeah. ate them. Yeah. I have a spite. Like yeah, a spite that's, that's what had, That's how a lot of businesses stay in business. Because it's like, you know what? I'm going to spend money here in spite of you. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm not going to tip. <laughs> uh, which is shitty. And those are like, when I get like uh, those microaggressions from a server, I won't tip them, but I'll give like the busboy like 10. Nice. That's what's you know, up. Yeah. Just skip them. Just loop them out of the situation completely. Wow. Damn right. Ooh, nice yeah. move. Yeah. Fuck. That was a good move. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to keep talking about racism and everything, but I also mm. want to talk about your comedy career because yeah, man. They're, you, they're one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple things that come to mind because you're one of the only people I've ever met who... I don't know if you just don't have time to do anything except what you believe in or how you'd made these choices in your life, but like you have done some incredible comedy achievements while having no normal routes of doing them. Yeah. That's yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh to I've been fortunate to like 
I couldn't afford to live in New York or LA for most of even when I was living here I couldn't afford to live in LA um but I would I started traveling in like 2010 2010 I went to Chicago 2011 I started going to New York and I would go to each like a couple times a year can I interrupt you because I remember meeting you in Chicago yeah my first set I ever did at Zany's was on some showcase show yeah and you were there from Cleveland doing that same show and you were the only person who destroyed and I will never fucking forget it I appreciate you that's straight up uh yeah and that's one of those like that's a five hour drive or like a six and a half hour bus ride so like I was doing one of those to get there, and then a lot of the people I met at Mike's and stuff like that became friends who, like, crash on couches, and, like, now it's to the point where all of them live in New York or L.A., so when I go to Chicago, I have nowhere to stay. Um, <laughs> but started mixing in trips to New York, started coming to L.A. in, like, 2014, and so then started, like, when I would come, I would sublet a place for a month. And lineup shows because I feel like when you go somewhere for like those short bursts, like a weekend or a week, you get on every show and you're like, "This is amazing! I could, I could live here." Mm-hmm. But when you give give yourself like a full month, you get a sense of like, "Oh, if I don't have shit to do on a Wednesday, what am I going to do with myself? Yeah, how long does it take to get A B? What are the expenses of involved with actually being in the city? And if you're always available, then nobody hires you because you're always around. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll not hire you if you're not around too. Um, <laughs> And just so through doing that, I was meeting a lot of people, but also back in Cleveland, I was running a lot of shows so that I could perform more. Because like in the beginning, I started performing my own shows and producing them because in Chicago, I was like, oh, this is just like a show in the side room of a bar or in like a coffee shop or like the laundromat. Like it's like, oh, this can kind of happen anywhere. You just need a place and people. And so I was like, well, I can give people in Cleveland always complain there's nothing to do. So it's like, all right, I'll give you something to do. Yeah. Um, and so I would started bringing people that the clubs weren't booking. There's like a hilarities, which is like an A club and the improv, which is an A club. But like, so in 2010, I booked like Hannibal Burris, Neil Brennan, Nikki Glazer, Trevor Noah, Holy shit. Todd Bear, like just a bunch of like crazy names and then also was pairing them with like the people from cleveland or like the people i met from chicago or new york and um then i started getting their reps hitting me up to just route people in general so like people within the industry were hearing my name and like oh you're a talent buyer and then in my travels i'd be able to do either people's show when i would go to town or you know better showcases just because i know people who can vouch for me in different locations and so in 2015, I got picked as a comic to watch for the New York Comedy Festival, which is like a Comedy Central list. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it, which was cool. Like, you know, I was the outlier from like the middle of the country with no representation. The one everybody looked at and was like, who? Yeah. And, you know, it's cool to the class of people I was picked with all have done like really dope shit uh, within comedy since then. And then that gave me just more people to kind of champion me through the process. Like the people I knew at Comedy Central grew each time I got to do something. So then they were like, oh, will you give us a submission when you got a half hour? And so I taped it at like a little black box theater in Chicago on my iPhone. Do you remember the theater? Uh, It's on Halstead, like right by Boys Town. 
I'm not going to remember what it's called, though. Playground. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, Playground. Yeah, man. Um, and so there was like 30, 40, like 20-year-old kids. And I just, my tripod on my phone broke like right afterwards. Uh, and I edited it on my phone and sent it on my phone. And then they you, offered it to me. You got a Comedy Central half hour through a f- phone, phone recording. recording. Yeah. I think that's just so fucking important and cool yeah. to talk about. And it wasn't like so many people try to like make uh, special. I don't know. I, I just tried to catch like I'd been just recording when I featured for people or like spots around town. And I just happened to like, oh, shit, that's dude. I thought that was due in three weeks. It's due Monday. Okay, well, I guess I have to do this show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that weekend I was at a club in Chicago that kind of winds up being more touristy. So it wasn't, the tapes from there weren't great. And then the, I was doing spots at the Laugh Factory, but they were shorter than it needed to be. So it just, just happened to the ingredients at that alt indie show at the Black Box Theater just wound up being good enough to like make it stand out. And then there were enough people at Comedy Central who liked me to be like, oh, no, you need to watch this one. I think it just, like, takes so much mysticism away. Yeah. You know? It's just, a, you you know, normally, like, your manager or agents are the one who are like, you should check out this guy. Here's his clips. Here's his whatever. But because I'd met those people just in my travels on my own, whether opening for someone, like, I got to open for Canaan in New York once and met someone. And, you know, you just kind of, like, you don't realize who's paying attention to what you're doing. Mm. Um, and just wound up just slowly just having people to advocate for you because, you know, a lot of times I'm the only one in the position to advocate for myself. So getting help with that is great. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to take away from your comedy because you wouldn't yeah. get any of that shit yeah, if you weren't funny as fuck. Yeah. yeah. You know, but like the amount of people you just, if you go on Facebook and the people are like, it's never going to happen for mm-hmm. me. Like, I. It's my tape wasn't good enough. The audio quality was this or like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that is it. And like you straight up shot something on your phone yeah. in front of 30 people on Halstead, probably while sirens were going by at one point yeah. or another. But because you had the background, you knew the people and you put yeah. in the work, it didn't matter. And it sounds to me like you're not saying it wasn't hard. You're just not complaining about how fucking hard no, it was. No, it was just like, oh, okay, well, here's my attempt at what you just asked me for. Like, I didn't really have any expectations mm-hmm. for it. I'm just always like... Whenever I meet someone within the industry, I'm never, I don't want anything from you. I just like what these expense account do. Like, let's buy me some snacks. <laughs> let's see what's going on. Like, that's literally all I ever want. And then like, I've eaten enough with people where people fuck with me. Yeah. That's what's up. And it's such a good reminder too, to just, you, you really never know who's in the room. Mm-mm. You never know. And a lot of those people who were at Comedy Central at the time have migrated to other situations or people who run festivals migrate to. Yeah. You know, the people that you used to know are in charge nowadays mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Yeah. So it just gives you, you know, just an access point to where like, hey, can you look at this? Whether they do or not, you know, depends on their availability and whatever. But you at least have the outlet to, to, to ask, which is sometimes the hardest thing is to figure out which gatekeeper and how to approach them and like yeah. how what the template should be and all mm-hmm. that shit. Do you ever think that stuff? Like what? Like, I don't know, you seem to glide, but in your head the whole time, are you just trying to figure out, like, how to get what you want without having to be, like, Um, thirsty about it? Or are you pretty straight up most of the time? I tried to, for a long time, I just, like, kept my head down and did the work. 
because like that's all I can control is like what I do on stage and like to a degree how often I get on stage but even that's kind of out of your control at a certain point um so making my own show spaces gave me the opportunity to get on stage more so that gave me control back to get good enough to now you can work at the clubs you yeah. can do you can access these other spaces and figure it out on those terms because like a club's different than an alt show is different than the urban shows different than all these other thing so you just figure out how to like fail comfortably in each situation and then <laughs> how to fail less you know yeah um i like the idea of like setting up the metaphorical uh what is the thing that catches you when you jump out of a burning building you know those like big, oh the trampoline thing the trampoline or like the big inflatable thing yeah that you'd like just set that up for yourself wherever you go in your mind so you mm -hmm. can feel comfortably like yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch like of windows that. you're going to fall out. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's tiring. It's very tiring. Yeah. And then it's like, I just want to do stand-up. I just want weed and eat with my friends. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Speaking of which, have you had the opportunity to like do some of that this time around in L.A.? Uh, I have not because I had to get an emergency root canal like right after Thanksgiving. No. So I just haven't smoked since then. I'm waiting for like the work to get finished up before I start you know, putting damage back in there. So we, you just got to do the edibles. Yeah. Thing. So I've just been like, yeah, I did. That's why I did so many, uh, at the gateway show to drink a whole bottle <laughs> that you're supposed to drink water with. And I just was like, why am I so dry? Uh, <laughs> That cotton mouth, man. Yeah. Oof. Especially when you're up on stage. Yeah. It's like, it feels like the most insane weakness. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. Uh, like hats off, all the hats, all the way off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but this tea, this tea with your variety of tinctures and, and edible mixtures is nice. Nice. It's medicinal. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a little love in there. When's the first time you smoked? I was... 13 and I smoked with one of my cousins and I didn't like it because it tasted like burnt popcorn. Hmm. And then a few years later when I was a freshman, like my buddy whose house I went over all the time, he was started smoking. Like we would drink and play ping pong. And when he started smoking, I just started smoking again too. And I was like, okay, I like this. And then now I've been smoking longer in my life than I wasn't smoking. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is it, do you think you're a better comedian for it? Mm, I think I'm more uh, relaxed and less anxious as a person. So that makes me able to perform better. Um, it sure doesn't help me organizationally yeah. a lot of times. Um, but I am also like able to like do a lot of things on my own that a lot of stoners seem incapable of so i don't want to be like i can't do anything because i'm on weed man like i get shit done it's just like what would my production be if i wasn't smoking sure mm -hmm. you know um but a lot of times i keep it i feel like it slows my brain down so it keeps me from overthinking mm. which is kind of like it can be a weapon and when you're analyzing something for comedy but can also be like detrimental when it's like over analyzing something around comedy <laughs> Dude, fuck yeah. Do you um, feel like getting really, really, really baked and then performing like last night mm -hmm. is like a form of resistance training in some way where like if you can perform at that level when you're less high, you can mm. perform, you know what I mean? Like you're building Somewhat. I mean, I I smoked a blunt like a half hour before I take my Comedy Central special. 
just because I'm comfortable, I'm high most of the time. So I'm like, I'm high when I run errands. I'm high when I'm just chilling and reading. Like, it's just a state of comfort the same way, like, someone will have, like, a Jack and Ginger on stage and just be sipping that as they're going through their set. It's just like, this is just me getting in my zone. So I don't ever feel like it's put me in a detrimental state. A lot of times people are like, oh, I want to smoke weed with you. Even if my set says nothing about weed. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think is interesting because they're like, you seem like you were really stoned. I'm like, oh yeah, I just also just always sound sleepy. <laughs> um, which is just like, that's a safe way for me to sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Though you don't really talk about weed a lot in your act at all. No. I, never I mean, my social media and stuff is Blazer Ramon, which is like the most stonery so presence <laughs> um but yeah i mean i like i i feel like i i'm a stoner the same way i'm hispanic like, i don't speak spanish but like just existing and doing the things i do is like you said a statement or an act of whatever and we's the same way like there's stigmas to overcome with that where you know some clubs are like oh you're a drug user Whoa. And so they put it in the same space as that. So like I have maybe having Blazer Ramon as my social media identity has kept me from work. That's so fucked. But you don't think about those things. No, because fuck those motherfuckers. Well, you can't worry about it. Yeah, it's like I don't want to surprise anyone. So I just very clearly tried to just be like honest about the things I enjoy and the things I participate in, you know? Yeah. And it's nice to see, like, you know, as it becomes recreationalized and medicalized all over, like, the technology and the access people are having to it. Like, I don't know. It's nice to just see people who I know their whole life who, like, stayed away from it because it was illegal, like, try it and, like, oh, this is really, like, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it does, it, it makes me not have to need the pills I needed as much. It's, like... That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to like just being able to be competent, talented, like, I don't know, gotten to do cool things because of weed too. Yeah. Like what? Um, I got to, there's a cooking show called Cooking on High on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and I was a judge for two episodes of that. You which was great, pretty dude. cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that was like cool because like. They were like, hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And it was like a couple hundred an episode for two episodes. I'm like, all right, dope. And I'm like, what's it for? They're like, it's for the internet. I'm like, all right. They're like, it might go somewhere, but just for the internet. I'm like, okay. And I was supposed to throw out the first pitch of the Indians game, like a professional baseball game that same day. So what? I had to like pick which one to do. I was like, well, I have to go eat weed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I went and did that. And then, like, a year, it popped up on the internet for, like, a little bit and then disappeared. And then a year later, it was on Netflix. I'm like, oh, shit. Hey, old reps, do I get more money for this? They're like, nope. I'm like, cool. Uh, But it's cool that, like, something people can see all over the world is accessible. Like, I get a couple followers every week from somewhere. That's cool. Also, you rep... Uh, weed yeah i'll say it like that you rub weed really well Thanks, on that man. show because uh i don't i'm not interested in talking about anybody else yeah. on the show so i'll just say like you like carried a lot 
and like spoke really well. Thanks, and, like, man. You were funny as fuck. And yeah. I got to I judge something at Sirius XM. The, the shows were having like a bake bake off. So that's what I was doing before I came here. And I just like, all right, what's the grading rubric for this? And then I just like, okay, I give everything like a letter grade plus or minus. It's kind of the same way I'm able to kind of look at comedy. It's like, okay, is this like not like there was something that was good in the bake thing it was like a tiramisu but i don't like tiramisu what's wrong with you but it's (laughs) just because i don't like coffee i don't like there's certain aspects of it which don't please my palate Mm -hmm. but it was well done Mm -hmm. for the what it was but it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. so i feel like a lot of comedies that same way like i never like i never like saying someone's not funny it's like oh it's just not for me Mm. um and you know everyone's palate's gonna be a little different, but being able to also be objective, okay, it's not for me, but it's still at this point or it's this quality, and you know, uh, I I hope that we all get to go on the road together yeah, and man. like do like stand up and perform, and then like judge a bunch of like edible cat. Like or I you feel just like there's do just... a rolling tour where we just drive around the country and eat, judge weed, and yeah. do stand up. Yes, mm-hmm. please. Okay. I mean, there's enough festivals going on right now. I'll yeah. write about it. Go, let's go and <laughs> please perform on stage. Like if you were in Edinburgh, how do you say Edinburgh? Edinburgh, Edinburgh I think is how it's Perfect. supposed to be. Perfect. That's a go. Yeah. You got that. Mm-hmm. Edinburgh. I mean, that's the dream. Yeah. For real. Yeah. You know, and then just need a weed sponsor. Yeah. We can get that. Just get a seed company. Or yeah, something. they have billions. They do actually. <laughs> Probably cash in barrels under the earth in Vegas. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they all are right now. Yo, that's what's up. Um, I I, I was hoping to talk about Cleveland a bit. Yeah. Because, so I grew up in St. Louis. Um, I have family in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Then my my uncle, Neil, was the principal of Shaker Heights High School for a real long time. And so I would always go up to Cleveland to visit my family. But I didn't know there was a comedy scene. But now, like, the first show I ever saw in St. Louis was at the Funny Bone with my dad, and it was Drew Carey. Mm. And I had no idea who he was, and nobody he hadn't popped yet. Yeah. But he had both of us cry laughing, and it was like that bonding experience for yeah. my dad and I. And now, like, Cleveland is kind of popping off. We met Mary Santoro in, yeah. in uh, Alaska. Mary's She's dope. fucking dope. Yeah. Like, you're in there. You started a whole comedy festival there. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. You rep Cleveland hard, but also Cleveland is worth repping. Yeah, it's it's definitely got like a cultural texture to it. Like it's weird because everyone has a frame of reference for Cleveland. It's just like pop pop culturally, just because it used to just be like this loserish like major league. The movie is set there, which is like this oh, like yeah. loser squad, and like you know the brown like just. Their sports relevancy is always like the Browns there. were our team, and they always lost. They always lost. LeBron was there for years and like put a weird spotlight on it. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like around the time I started running comedy shows, a lot of people just kind of started doing their own thing. So like the first food truck was started, and like they were like went to register. The city was like, "What are you a hot dog cart?" Because there'd never been food trucks, and then now there's like. 40 or 50 and some of them have the like physical restaurants now so it's like all these little seeds that started then have started to flounder these like makers markets and all these sorts of like small industries that kind of came together to make a renaissance happen and then when the Cavs won the finals it really like shifted like well you can't call us losers any now anymore so like what 
now what are we? So it's like a cultural identity shift. Are you winners though, or is there like that Midwest mentality of like now? I mean, that was cool, but we're still. It's still not. It's, there's still insecurities yeah. centered in it, but you know, I, I I feel like I I had a similar thing to where like I've always felt like big broken brown. And then, like, comedy's kind of put me in this different position to where I'm like, oh, I'm also, like, smart and, like, like likable and charming, but I don't always feel those things. And, like, so, it's, but it's, both of those can be true at the same time. Um, and Cleveland's very similar, same way. It's like, oh, we, yeah, there's not a big economy or there's not a lot to do, but, like, we got a dope art museum. We got the Rock Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. We got, like, cool music venues we've got like iron chefs who've come out of here we have like a good culinary scene like there's and then there's the comedy scene there's two a clubs there's a couple more like cb clubs just outside the city there's a whole like open mic scene and showcases so like like i said i can get up more in cleveland than i do in la yeah but to say that to someone who lives in la that doesn't make sense because like well cleveland's smaller Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're able to say your material on stage. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. And I always describe Cleveland as a good place to f- fail comfortably, uh, which and anonymously, because it's you know a lot of times in LA, if you're only doing one or two spots a week, and one of them is your show glaze at the Improv, you might feel less comfortable throwing some spaghetti at the wall there. Hundred percent. Than you would at like a bar show, or you know, or if you were past there and you're like doing ten sets a week at the improv, it's going to be treated less. Yeah. Is your dad proud? Yeah, like overly proud. Cool. Yeah. That's very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I when I did my half hour, I flew my mom, dad, sister, and her three kids down to New Orleans to uh take. Because they've you know always been so supportive, yeah, which is dope. And you did HBO, right? Yeah, I did that uh, last year. I taped up in Burbank uh, for HBO Latino to do a. It's like Def Jam for Latinos. It's called Entrenos, and uh, I put uh, weed on my writer because uh, I was like, because you know you put shit on your green when people want like a bottle of whiskey or whatever. I'm like, this is recreational. I'm gonna put some put weed on here. See what they say. <laughs> And at first, my buddy was like, hey, I don't know if they're going to approve this just because, like, you can't smoke in the building. I was like, oh, I was just, like, going, I wasn't going to smoke in the building. I was going to smoke outside. I was like, it was more just, like, a, a reward for doing a cool thing. And they were like, you know what? You're absolutely right. And they were like, just go to the store and get whatever and we'll reimburse you. I was like, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I got a couple doses pens, which I gave to, like, my family members. Um, to you know, get ease them into the experience of cannabis. Yeah. Um, and then got some flour and some you know some stuff for me to enjoy. Dope. And uh, yeah. What a cool writer. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking dude. Yeah, man. What do you do when you're in New York, in L.A., in Cleveland, on the road? Like, what are you just like living on sandwiches? Um. As far as like, well, how do I like survive or what do I eat? Yeah, what do you eat, man? I like to I like to eat like broke Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> so I have like in New York, there's a, like a, a place called Prince Street Pizza in Soho, which mm-hmm. has a really really good square slice, like with the like real big beef pepperonis that like are the curled up with the little pools in them. Oh, that the oil. Yeah, there was, that's real good. Um, I'll eat with my friends a lot at the Olive Tree Cafe, which is right above the Comedy Cellar. 
just because once you're, I got fortunate to get past there in January. Congrats. Thanks, man. And so, like, they give you a discount just like, oh, you're part of so you get an employee discount for eating there. So, I have a lot of meals with people there. Um, it's what, a really special place, man. Yeah, it's real dope. It's it's interesting, like, the energy there versus the store, like, the the way each space can make performers feel insecure, but for different reasons. I feel like at the uh, seller, a lot of the insecurity comes from within the comic, feeling like, oh, I maybe don't belong here or whatever. But the space is, oh, you're a comic with this comic? Cool. And they give you, like, a graciousness. Yes. And the store here, I feel like a lot of the insecurity comes from the institution trying to make you know your place mm. within the structure. Yeah. Um, which is just the different feels. But you can feel the history in both places. 100%. Um, and when I'm in LA, like I have, um, there's a place called Noshi Sushi, which is on, uh, Beverly has really good affordable sushi, um, cash only. So that's how, you know, it's pretty dope. Um, (laughs) Oh, I love a place that just has like bags of cash in the back. That's my Um, favorite. There's a place called, uh, Chef Maryland's on Crenshaw, just south of the highway that does really good, uh, soul food takeout. Um, also very affordable um, Gracie's Pizza also uh, I think that's on Melrose they have really good like New York style slices those Dude, are the closest I, I found if Ooh. anyone listening to this Quibi whatever hire Ramon to be broke Anthony Bourdain he's yeah, gonna man. just smoke weed do sets in every city yeah. and then show you all the cheap delicious food to eat in yeah, your spot cause that's how I experience cities is like the comedy scene the cannabis culture and like consignment shops Yes. Because, like, that's kind of the only way I can afford dope. Like, this is a 100% wool sweater. It's gorgeous. That it's, like, 150 euros new. I got it for 20 bucks at a Buffalo Exchange. I wouldn't have bought, I wouldn't have bought it elsewise, but yeah. it's it's a nice find. Mm-hmm. Huge. Know? Dude, I would watch you. Thanks, man. 100%. Thank yeah. you. Also, that is dope. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, and, and, and in Cleveland, I mean... We're both huge, like, food network. Like, Michael Simon yeah. changed the fucking culinary landscape, yeah, man. man. And he's got a couple different restaurants downtown. And it's just cool to have, like, we've got people of note in most cat. Like, we've got, he's our Iron Chef. Kid Cudi is our musician of note. Yeah. Machine Gun Kelly as well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we got our athletes of note. It's just a, it's a city that's very proud of itself. And for a long time, it was like, what are we proud of? And more and more, there's things to actually like hang your hat on. And you. I mean, you know, hopefully. Yeah. It's weird because like the Lorraine City school systems put uh, me in the Alumni Hall of Fame before Toni Morrison. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which, and I've just been high on TV a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> so it's a weird thing. It's hard you out know. there for an award-winning yeah. author. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure they'll get her next time. Um, oh, man. Shit. Well, if people uh, want to bring you weed because you're going to be in their city performing, where can they find um, you? They can find me, My uh, like I said, my website and everything is Blazer Ramon, B-L-A-Z-E-R-R-A-M-O-N.com. Um, I have a podcast of my own called Pre-Baked. Uh, where I pair a strain of cannabis that matches the characteristics of my guests, and then I break them both down. Uh, I like to ask people what kind of baked good they'd be if they mm. were a baked good, and then like the ingredients that went into making you the way you are. 
So it's like an interesting. We talk a lot about anxiety and like different like shit like that, which is cool. Um, and then it's just Blazer Ramon all across all platforms: Instagram, Twitter, and Venmo. If you bought that one, yeah, Yo, hit him in the Venmo. Yeah. Also, going full circle back to the beginning with therapy and all, like your podcast, like thoughtful. Thanks, man. Very thoughtful. I mean, which I like being like openly a stoner openly a lot of things and then also like yeah i couldn't be like insightful just because i'm high doesn't mean i can't be thought-provoking you're mm-hmm. i think a more insightful often because you're willing to go down some strange mm-hmm. roads that you might not think of without for sure weed opening it up beautiful yeah season two yeah this has been dope dude Thanks thank for you for hanging you, man yeah Appreciate you. thank yeah. you uh, if y'all want to fuck with us, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram. Go to weedandgrub.com. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. It means a lot. It goes a long way. And then we get more sponsors, which means we get to do more cool shit for everybody out there. And hopefully go to Cleveland. Boom. Yeah. Let's do it. We'll go to Cleveland. We'll do a live Weed and Grub podcast. And we'll do stand-up with you, Mary, me. You, will you perform I'll, as the singing potato? I'll be the potato for sure. You know she does nice. a singing potato? That's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. And then, and we'll, uh, I'll have some family out there. They'll come to the fucking Dope. show. Nice. That's bring her show. T- yeah. <laughs> a bringer. Great. So how many people do I bring to do? Um, the, you get a minute for every person you bring. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I'm going to get one minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.